If you have your Bibles, isn't the Lord good to us? Amen. Better than we deserve, isn't He? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We're going to be reading uh, verses uh, 21 through 29. I want to talk to you today about Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. Let's read this scripture. Chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 29, uh, 21 through 29. <clears throat> and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from, from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, labor striving, according to, to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Father God, thank you for your word. Speak to us, God, through it as only you can do. And help us to see the great truths that are in there. But help us to realize this one thing, the mystery, which is Christ must be in us. Without him, there is no hope of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Christ is definitely our only hope of glory. Uh, verse 21 tells us the state of all of us before we were saved. We were sometimes alienated, it says, in our minds by wicked works. We were lost with only our conscience to guide us. Now, a lot of people rely on their conscience. God don't. Amen? When we rely on our conscience, we, we, it sounds good, it sounds right, but the only problem is that it was done through right or wrong determined by the world. Right or wrong determined by the world. When you look at our world today and look according to our world, what is right or wrong? Think about it. So our conscience might be our guide, but it's not going to save us. 
It's not going to bring redemption. It's not going to bring salvation. It only tells us who we are to ourselves. Amen? And so when you look at this and you, and you see this, this, this thing called our conscience, it has nothing to do with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There was a dispensation that, that if you study dispensations of time and the way the Lord manifests Himself to people, one of the dispensations was a dispensation of conscience. It didn't work. Amen? Can you remember being lost? Let, how many in here can remember being lost without Jesus Christ? Can you? you know what? If you've been saved since you were a child, how fortunate and how blessed you are. Those of us who lived to adulthood have a lot more things that torment us than those who were saved younger. Now, I thank God for my salvation, but I had been evil and wicked. Can you remember that? Can you remember being lost? Amen. What, <laughs> did you ever ask yourself in your lostness? I want you to just think a minute. Reminisce, remember. <clears throat> Have you ever thought to yourself, what am I doing here? Amen. Why in the world did I do that? What was I thinking? Or even worse, what did I do last night? Amen. That was our conscience. Our conscience making us question our motives and our actions. But that conscience, although it can cause us to question, cannot save us. It can only make us ashamed. And if we continue on, we won't even be ashamed anymore. There's a lot of people who have cast their conscience aside our conscience is given to us to do what? To seek Jesus. To make us feel bad. To make us want to do better. But without Him, we can't. Amen? And so what does He say? <laughs> you were that way one time. But now, praise God, you have been reconciled. Hallelujah. We have been reconciled back into God. We have been brought to the Father through the Son. We have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now the Spirit of God shows us right and wrong. The way it's supposed to be done. According to the Word of God. Not according to the world. The Word of God, by making us guilty and convicting us. John 16 and 8, this is what Jesus said. And when He is come, He's talking about the Holy Spirit. When He is come, He will reprove you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
This reproof is the conviction one feels for doing wrong and the guilt we feel because we have insulted our Savior by what we have done. Amen. Now, the Bible puts it another way. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and 30 that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which we are sealed by. So when we sin, when we do wrong in the eyes of God, the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sin, to cause us to be guilty, <coughs> to cause us to feel shame, to cause us to feel remorse, to lead us into repentance and confession before God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Without the Holy Spirit, we only have our conscience which does not do that. I know this is clear mud to some people, but it's a fact. You know what grace looks like? Listen to what grace looks like. Jesus has reconciled us in the body by his flesh through death. He died for our sins and he nailed them to his cross. Hallelujah. Amen. That's grace. That's great because we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve redemption. We don't deserve a hope of glory. Amen. But grace provides us a Savior. That while we're not worthy, He did what it took to reconcile us to the Father. And it calls us to be worthy. Amen. Amen. Within ourselves, we are absolutely nothing. Within ourselves, we cannot live for Him. Within ourselves, we cannot go to heaven. Within ourselves, we cannot. Please, God. We need Jesus. Amen. We are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 and 14, in whom, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We can't have forgiveness without Jesus. First, uh, first, second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he, the Father, hath made him, the Son, to be sent for us. Jesus became my sin. Jesus became your sin. Praise God. He made him sin for us. Who knew no sin? Why did God do that? that we may be made the righteousness of God. And we're made that way in Christ Jesus. I don't thank God for our Savior. That is grace. That is favor we don't deserve. 
But the love of God reaches down and gives us that grace. Amen. That's why we live in that dispensation today. That dispensation that is called grace. And I want you to look at this. We will be presented to the Father. Look, look at what it says here. I've just, oh, it's so beautiful. It's We will be presented to the Father. Now listen to this. In the body of His flesh, Jesus, through His death, now listen to what He does. He is going to present us. Now look at this. How? When He presents us to the Father, how is He going to present us? Look at this. Holy. How in the world can He present me holy to God? Through Him. Through Jesus. Everything is done through Him. By Him. For Him. But listen to this. He did it for us. What a God. What a Savior. What a Lord. He presents us holy. Now look at the next part. He didn't say with that blame. Don't mess this up. Because see, there's people out there that preach it. We got to be blameless. We can't be. We're always going to be have blame. But when He presents us holy, He presents us unblameable. That means although we will remain sinners the rest of our life, when we stand before the Father and Jesus is standing there with us, He presents us holy, unblameable, and look at this, unreprovable. Hallelujah. In His sight. Don't tell me we don't need Jesus. Don't tell me we don't need the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me. We don't need some help getting there. We need all the help we can get. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is our help. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Praise God. Holy. Unblameable. Unreprovable. In His sight. <laughs> How great is our God. Amen. So what is our part then? Well, you know, a lot of people preach and teach, well, you ain't got to do nothing now. Well, you got it in you now. Just, woo you got it made. Now, that ain't what the Scripture says. Right. Does it? Yeah. it look, look at what else it says. How do we do this? If you continue in the faith. Now, look at this. How? Grounded and settled. Now there's a lot of people that are grounded in sound. They think no matter how they live, they can they're saved up and it's okay. That's a lie. You know what that is? Listen to me. That is the world's salvation. Amen. That is the world's salvation. The world will not save you. Amen. Amen. The world will not save you. Matter of fact, they care less if you're saved or not. 
So, the, so what they do, they change the salvation of God into the world's salvation, and people bite. And they bite into it. And they want it because they can say, I'm saved and live any way they want to. That's not the scripture. What the scripture says. Amen. If we continue in the faith grounded and settled, now look at this, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which we preach to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Did you hear what I just read? You have to be continued in the faith, grounded and settled, and you do not move away from the hope of the gospel. Now there's a lot of ideas about backsliding. There is such a thing as backsliding. You know what backslider is? It's a person who knows God that is taking themselves out of the will of God for whatever reason. Are they still saved? Yes, they are. But let me tell you what's going to happen to them. While they're out of the will of God, they're going to be under the thumb of God. Amen. Yeah. And ain't nothing going to go right at all. Amen. You know why? Because he wants them to come back to be reconciled to him and he's got a procedure for that to take place. How many times have you seen someone who was backslidden come back to Jesus? How many times have you been backslidden and come back to Jesus? The man standing before you preaching the gospel today was a backslider that came back to Jesus. I know what a backslider looks like. I know what a backslider is. And I know my Lord and my God did not forsake me the whole time I was backslidden. He never let me go. He made me feel guilty. He reproved me. He, gave, he made me feel terrible. And I knew what I needed to do, but I wouldn't do it. Amen. But praise God. One day, it happened. There's another thought. There's a thought where people get lost, they get saved, and then they lose their salvation. There's another thought that says, well, they got saved, or they thought they got saved, but they didn't get saved. You know what? We, churches argue over that stuff. We argue over something we don't even know for sure about. Amen. But here's the thing. Regardless of whether a person get saved and get lost again or don't get saved at all the end result of that person does not change they are lost before God there's hope for the backslider for sure amen listen to me living any way we want and saying we're saved that is not God's salvation our salvation is a walk of faith in Christ from the salvation to, be, to being with Him, we are born again, and our salvation is from the time we're born again until we die. Amen. A lot of people just look at me when I say that and think, oh my goodness. We live our salvation. That's what people see in us when they say they see Christ in us. They see you living your salvation. Well, wait a minute. What if they see you and they think, that person ain't saved at all? Mm -hmm. 
they may be right. Or they're looking at a severely backslidden person. Amen. Walking in the Spirit. We must walk continuously in faith, grounded in self. We are to never move away from the hope of the gospel. And we better get serious about our salvation. There's a lot of people who live recklessly for Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. We better get serious, be serious, and stay serious about living for Jesus Christ. We can only continue this way by staying full of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. We must stay full of the Holy Y'all remember the ten virgins? They all had lamps, remember? They had waiting on the bridegroom to come, remember? And the ones that he came and got, they came there with full lamps, didn't they? Now what happened to the other five? They didn't bring any extra oil. They burned up all their oil. We need extra oil. How do you do that? You ask the Lord to fill you and fill you and keep filling you and He will. We must stay full in order to live what Paul just told us for Jesus Christ. We can't do it any other way. Amen. Boy, it's quiet in here. We need this oil, which is the Holy Spirit. And because of his calling, Jesus, uh, that, that, uh, and meeting Jesus Christ, Paul knew these things. He suffered for the cause of Christ. He suffered. He called torment from the Jewish people. He called torment from the Gentile people who were idolaters. He was bombarded with torment and suffering. Yet he had met Jesus. He was staying full of the Spirit. He had the weapons to fight with. He had the knowledge to proclaim. He had the gospel to preach. And he didn't let anything deter that. Y'all, God's not interested in your excuses. Amen. Amen. Well, I would, but how many of you ever said that? Well, I would, would, I, I would teach, but well, uh, well, I wouldn't sing, but. Well, I would go to church, but. Well, I wouldn't go visit the one that the Lord laid on my heart, but. You ever done that? Paul didn't do that. Listen to me. When the Lord laid somebody on Paul's heart, he went to them. When he placed a city on Paul's heart, he went there. And he didn't say, but God, don't you know? I got a ball game. How, how ridiculous is that going to sound? But God, don't you know we had a birthday party today? But I know I'm being silly right now, facetious. I hope the excuses we use are a lot better than that. Paul has been enlightened by Christ. The dispensation of God given to him about the mystery 
the hidden mystery, the thing that had been hidden from all generations, all ages, up until Jesus came. And even while Jesus was here, this mystery just hung over them and nobody could figure it out. You know how they figured it out? When they got the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost came into them, He taught them some things. He showed them some things. He, they understood things they couldn't understand before. This mystery had been hidden from Paul while he was breathing threatenings to the church. While he was doing all the things and, 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 and telling them it was okay to stone Stephen and doing all these, he was blinded. He didn't know, but he had met Jesus. Amen. He had been filled with the Spirit of God. And now he is enlightened. He knows some things. And he says, the mystery that God would become a man. Paul knew that God had become a man. How did he know? Because he met him. Amen. We need to meet Jesus. That he would become a man and he would suffer. He would die for lost humanity. He would, not just the Jew, but for the Gentile also. Not only that he would die for us, but through believing, he would dwell in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me take you to a scripture. John chapter 14. Listen to this scripture. Beginning in verse 16. This is Jesus teaching about, guess who? The Holy Ghost. The Comforter that is to come. He calls him the Holy Ghost. He calls him the Comforter. He calls him the Spirit. He'll answer to all of those. Listen to what he said, John 14, beginning in verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now listen to this. That he may abide with you for a few days, a few months, till you decide you don't want him, you keep forever. <coughs> he will abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world don't have salvation because it sent him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world sees me no more. But you see me because I live. Hallelujah. Amen. You shall live also. What a promise of God. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. How's that going to happen? Because the Comforter is going to come and dwell in you. When the Comforter comes to dwell in you, yes, who's there? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If we don't have that, we don't have Him. If we don't have that, we don't have eternal life. 
If we don't have that, we only have the world's salvation. And he said the world don't know him. Hallelujah. What a God we have. And he gives us a warning. We're given a warning. There's always a warning to everything God shows us and reveals to us. Without Jesus in you, by the way of the Spirit, you're not saved. Amen? You cannot be saved if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It just don't work that way. It can't work that way. And so here, look at what he else he says here. He said that to whom God would make known that the, is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is in Christ, he is our hope of glory. Without him, we have no hope. We have no glory. Without Jesus, we do not have this. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't have Jesus. Romans 8 and 9. Romans 8, 9 and 10. Let me read that for you right quick. This confirms. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, plus I make you happy, quicken your bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Lord, praise God. And he says also in John 15 and 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Amen. We must be attached to him. We must know him. We must be a part of that. Amen. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You know what? A lot of people who claim to be Christians can't live for Jesus because they don't have him. Claiming you have him is easy. Showing you have him is where the Holy Ghost comes in. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit. And that way we can walk in the light of God. Amen. You say, Brother Gary, you sure do preach this a lot. This is a mystery that we all need to know. This is what salvation looks like. Amen. He said it as plain as, you know, when they use that little if word, man, we could preach volumes on that little word. It's all in the Scripture. It's even here. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be, and be not moved away from the hope of the Gospel. 
then you got what you need. I can do all things through Jesus Christ that gives me strength. So I guess the question this morning is this. Do you have in you the hope of glory? Because that's what it is. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Does Christ dwell in you? And do you dwell in Him? Because see, Him dwelling in us what shows us. And us dwelling in Him is how we demonstrate it. Amen. Hello? Amen. You know what the proof of our salvation is? A lot of people say, well, it's healing, it's... No. It's tongue, no. What is it? It's the demonstration of the power of God by obedience to the Word of God that is lived out in the life of a person who has the hope of glory living in them. That is our proof. And it's continuous. It's steadfast. Do we can we get it? Can we do it every day? Well, I know a lot of people say, yeah. I had trouble on everyday stuff, don't you? There's just some days when it as hard as I try, as much as I study, as much as I know. As much as I claim, some days, I, I let my Lord down. And it torments me. It makes me cry. It makes me sad. It takes sleep away from me. You know what that's a sign of? That you have grieved the Spirit of God. If He loves you so much, He don't want you to sleep. He don't want you to rest. He don't want you to get over it. If you need to apologize to somebody, you better go and apologize to them. You can't ever cover that up. But until you confess it to Him and cover it under the blood, you're guilty. Of grieving the Spirit of God. So instead of the conscience now, we have a grieving spirit that's in us. So my new work is to keep from doing that. And when I do, apologize and seek forgiveness. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit just has a way of making it all work out right. Amen. I was talking to somebody earlier. I've had this conversation a lot. There's a lot of people in this room and other places, neighbors that we have, that's got some real issues in their lives. I'm talking about bad stuff. And I've learned something. We can pray for them. We need to pray for them. But there's one thing that we can all do. There's one thing that the people going through this stuff can do that works. 
put it in his hands. <laughs> Give it to him. And say, Lord, you can do what I can. Lord, you can change what I can. Lord, you can heal what I can. Lord, you can speak where I can. And Lord, they'll listen to you. When they won't ever listen to anyone else. And Lord, you know where to put them that you can accomplish your work of reconciliation in their lives. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's in a hospital bed. Sometimes it's in a prison. Sometimes it's in a jail cell. Sometimes it's homeless on the street. God can do what we can. Amen. Let's trust Him. And put all our cares into his hands. And watch the majesty and the might and the power of a holy God that he gives to a person who believes in him. Let's give him that. We just stand. These altars are open for prayer. Now listen to me. There's a simplicity of God that we neglect. I like things easy. God makes it easy. But easiness only comes through humility. Easiness only comes from God through obedience. I'm not talking about easiness into the world and easiness of living in the world. I'm talking about easiness of pleasing God. It's all through Jesus. It's all through these altars. It's all through prayer. It's all through you humbling yourself and bowing down to a holy God. And without the Spirit of God dwelling in you, that is an impossibility that you can't experience. You can't experience it without the Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to draw you, to convict you, to help you understand, to help you be responsible, to empower you. And He's only going to do those things in you that glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus said, He knows me. And He will glorify me in you. You believe that? Maybe you're here today and you're lost. You don't know whether you're saved. And you know what? We need to know if we're saved.
Do you have in you the hope of glory? Do you have in you the power? Do you have in you the love? Do you have in you the trust? In a Savior? You know what's spooky to me? People don't, sometimes don't want to trust Jesus. You don't want to trust the one who died for you. You, you don't want to trust the one who was made sin. You, you don't want to trust the one who's going to present you holy. trust the one that's going to present you unblameable. And it's going to keep the wrath of God from you. That's our God. That's who He is. And that's what He's provided for us. Let's take full advantage of this salvation. This invitation is almost over. <coughs> Thank y'all for being here today. Don't forget, 4 o'clock this afternoon, we'll have uh, uh, our uh, choir practice, and there'll also be a building grounds committee meeting, and uh, we've got some things we need to discuss. Services start at 5 o'clock. Love to have you back tonight, uh, Wednesday night. Have some good Bible studies around here on Wednesday night. We should come and uh, learn all you can about, uh, about our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're studying hard on right now about we're in the book of St. John studying about the relationship between uh, God and man and how he's made it possible through the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're doing that and uh, we'd love to have you here. Uh, don't forget men's breakfast coming up next Saturday morning. We start eating around 7 o'clock and it's great to have y'all. Uh, y'all make sure to give, give Casey and her family a big old hug. She thinks that's go off working again. Been so good having all y'all here this this past few weeks has been great. Beautiful thing to see. And uh, I love you. Thank you for letting me preach. Amen. God is great. Praise the Lord. Brother Gary, you dismiss it. Our most precious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the ability to come before you. Ask for your redemption. We need you to ask for your patience when we We love you, Father. We thank you for your love and devotion. I, I thank you for the word that you have given me today. Ask you be with each and every one here as you go home. Take them home safely. Bring them back safely. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. He's with somebody. You got your Bibles. Anybody else? This is good, especially when you're bragging on me. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I like your shirt. Well, <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Let's get into the Bible. We're going to go back into Colossians tonight. We're going to be in chapter 2. We ended uh, chapter 1 today. I did the last few verses of chapter 1. Say that again. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Oh, okay. Beginning in verse uh, 1. 
going to be reading one through five. Maybe we'll look further before it's over with, but I told somebody I'm not going to be long tonight. So uh, <coughs> be quiet and they won't take them off. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now this is Paul talking. He's writing his letter to Colossae. That their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom all and whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts and our understanding. And we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name. There's nothing better to me than to be able to come to the house of God with brothers and sisters in Christ, which are the sons of God, and have a joyous time of joy, a time of laughter, a time of fellowship. It's a great blessing to see people come together and they hug one another, they smile at one another, they talk to one another, and I think that is a picture of what the joy of the Lord in His church looks like. Now there's times when we need to get together as solemn, we need to get together and mourn, we need to get together, and y'all, it's amazing what I see here, because oftentimes the joy and the laughter is either preceded or followed by tears. Tears. We see the mixture of emotion. Not emotion of the flesh, but emotion of the spirit that dwells within us. And what I see here, more than anything else, is the humility of the spirit that we have toward the spirit of God that dwells in us. And it reflects on us, it reflects in us, it reflects in our fellowship, it reflects in the church. And people who are not a part of this, when they come in, feel that. They don't just feel that, they see it. I don't know where y'all noticed it or not, but in the last few weeks, we have had a lot of visitors here. And I said, if we could just get all the members here with all the visitors at the same time, there's been a few Sundays that the visitors have outweighed the members. That's a sign from God that the church, you all, are doing something right. That people want to know what's going on. And not only that, some of them are coming back. So not only are they noticing something different, but they want some of it. But they want to understand it first. 
And Paul is writing this letter to, to Colossae and to the Laodicean church. Now when we think of the Laodicean church, we think of the Revelation Laodicean church that John wrote about in which these people are not good. Amen? That they have, they have, uh, they have yielded to their wealth and yielded to their riches. They forgot about the Lord. They thought they forgot about the Lord's work. This that John's talking about in a futuristic Laodicean church is not the church that Paul is speaking to. Amen? Amen? So what we can see from that, if we're not careful as a church, we can go from a church that is inspiring, a church that is full of love, a church that is full of fellowship, a church that is full of order, a church that gives honor to God, to a church that don't give two cents and a hoop for God or anything else. We, that's why we have to stay on guard, be on guard, that we don't let that happen here. <clears throat> now there's nobody here tonight, because uh, Sister Shirley's not here. There's nobody here tonight left from the church that was here previous to this one. And this church all but closed its doors. Because there was something that happened between the time of the construction of this church and the revival that went forward where they had 65 to 85 members and they came and they filled the little building up, there was something that happened in that church in those few years that took a toll on the church of God. And the church all but died and folded up. But there was a remnant of people there was only a few. And they said, no. And they lasted longer than the troublemakers. Let me tell you what happened. When the money played out, everything left. And now you see who stands in Christ. The ones that are left. The ones that didn't make the noise. The ones, a few of them, that others looked down on. And yet they stayed. They took out of their own pockets. Paid the bills. Nobody to take it up and offer. Nobody to preach. Nobody to sing. Yet they stayed steadfast, praying. You know what they told me to pray for? And I felt it. The first time I walked in those doors, I felt the prayers of the saints that were left. And you could tell God was here. And you could tell God didn't want this place to die. He was ready to heal. And he did. Why? Because of me? No. I was just part of it. But because there were five people that said, we will not yield ourselves to Satan. They did. And they prayed. 
and they paid and they sought until one day the Lord answered their prayer. And we today enjoy the fellowship that we enjoy, the love that we feel, the camaraderie that we have. Do we all get along great, famously? I don't know, sometimes we just get in mad one another. You know, you know what the challenge of the church is? Is that we can get mad at one another and still love one another. Amen. That we can get mad at one another and stay the course, stay firm, stand firm, and healing will take place. God is a God of healing. He is, you know what? That's why he's the great physician. He can not only heal the body, he can heal the soul. Amen. He's the greatest of physicians. And Paul looked in these two churches. He had never been to these churches. He says so. I had never, you've never seen my face. But I know who you are. I have been told but look what he says. He says, your hearts. Look at this. This reminds me of our church. Your, your hearts may be comforted by what? Being knit together. You know what Jesus said? A threefold cord is not easily broken. And you know what he's talking about? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in us. Amen. We're wrapped up in Him. He's wrapped up in us. We're knit together. We're not knit together by blood relationship. We're not knit together. Some of us live that way. Some live that way. Some live that way. And some live way down that way. We're knit together by something common. The mystery. We're knit together by the great mystery that they didn't understand until Paul told them what it was. That great mystery that we talked about this morning, Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. The mystery wasn't that he came as a baby. The mystery wasn't that he was born of a virgin. That was all prophesied. The mystery was not that, that he would die on the cross. He, was, he came for that purpose. But it, until he came and, and John told us what the comforter was going to be, until he gave the last command to them, go into the city until you be endued with power from on high. And buddy, when they got that, they got something that they didn't realize they were going to get. You know what they got? Jesus inside of them. They watched him ascend. And they didn't see him when he entered into them, but they knew he was there. And because of the Christians that came after that, because even the Apostle Paul became a Christian after that, he was led to the Lord by a Christian. He was called by Jesus, but he was led by a Christian man that prayed for him and he received the Holy Ghost. And he began to preach and he began to tell others what he had learned and what he had seen and who he had seen. And, and he, he, he saw all these things and he began to, to start churches all over the Gentile nations. And others sprang up from his ministry and they too went out. Apollos is one of them. They go out and they start churches. And they follow each other up. And somebody has started a church in Colossae and somebody has started a church in Laodicea. 
Paul don't even recognize who they are, but he knows there's a church there, and he knows there's a people there who have the hope of glory in them. And he, because of that, he knows what they know. They know what he knows. They have something common that he can relate to so he can write to them and they know what he's talking about. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way we're supposed to be when we read the Word. Because we have Christ in us and he's the Word. We're supposed to be able to understand, comprehend. We're supposed to study it and learn it and know it. Now listen to this. He says, so you're comforted because you are knit together in anger. In hatred, in various variants, in love. Why? Because we cannot have Christ in us. Now, y'all listen to me very carefully. We cannot have the hope of glory in us without having the love of God in us. Why? Because the Bible described them in three words: God is love. What is the greatest deal? Love. Not the love of the world, not the ugly, filthy world, the love, but the love of God is the greatest gift that we have. And we get to have that gift in us, and we have forgiving power because we love one another. We don't forgive one another because we like one another. We forgive one another because we love one another. And we love one another because Christ dwells in us and he loves us all. Does that make sense? Yes. It makes a lot of sense. It's to say you're comforted being knit together in love unto all riches. Now he ain't talking about dollars. He ain't talking about this. The riches of God ain't about money. Never have been, never will be. Y'all listen to me. I'm reading in Revelation. We're going to be walking on that stuff. We're going to be leaning on it. Listen to me. It, it ain't going to be nothing. It's going to be road Bible up there. Amen. That stuff that people have fought and warred and, and killed one another over, it's going to be all up there. They ain't going to take it to hell with them. We ain't going to take nothing to hell. Nobody is. So all this good stuff's going to be up there. And it said, so we have these riches of what? The full assurance. Now listen, don't miss this. Because we, we read in John this morning, in chapter 14, where the Spirit's going to come dwell in us, and He's going to help us to do what? Understand things. So look at what he says. He said, you're knit together in love because you have love dwelling in you, Christ Jesus, and that all riches are the full assurance of understanding. Now what is it that he wants us to understand? What is it that Paul is relating to these people that he talked about in the last chapter and he's talking about it again in this chapter? He said, you need to understand through the Holy Ghost what the mystery of God is, which was what? God in us, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's what the world can't get a hold of. They want to say they got him when they don't have him. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us this knowledge, a full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. Now look at this. Of God and of the Father and of Christ. Amen. <laughs> They're one. And they're, they're one. 
one? We are one. We are in one. There's one Lord, one God, one baptism, one faith, one spirit. And it unites us all into one body that belongs to Jesus. Amen? And so the, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and to the Father and of Christ to whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We have in us the one who has all the knowledge of all the mysteries that were ever written in this word. We have one in us who wrote this word. We have one in us who understands this word. And Je that's why Jesus made the simplest statement. You have not because you have to. You want something from me, ask me. James told us, don't do it. Out of lust. That, don't, that ain't a name and claim it asking you get to do. That's an asking for the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the understanding of it. That he wants to hear from us. Because he wants us to understand so we can tell somebody else how it works. Amen? And so he, he's, he tells us this. And he said, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're hidden in us, y'all. Listen to me. We, if we have the hope of glory, we have all of the access to all of this. Now, what prevents us from capitalizing on that and knowing what all that is? We're disobedient to the Word of God because we don't study the Word of God enough to know. Now I'm always pushing, and I know everybody ain't got as much time as I do. Everybody ain't retired. I know that, but some of y'all are. And you can ask my wife, and I'm not bragging, she don't even ask me to do nothing in the morning. You know why? Matter of fact, if I'm sitting at my table with that Bible open, she don't ask me to do nothing unless it's an emergency. You know why? Because she understands that that's where it comes from. And she understands that I have a, a calling from God to preach His Word, and i got to preach truth. And so this is how we get it. And, and it says, now this I say, even that should, that so no man should beguile you. You know why these slick talking, possum faced, grinning preachers, some of them handsome, some of them devilish, how in the world do they get so many people following them? How do they get so much money? They got. Personal, just some of them's got more than one. Or some of them's got three and four private airplanes, jets. They live in mansions that we, every one of us in this room, could go live in and hardly ever see one another. How in the world do they fool people? Because God has not called any of His prophets or His preachers to be rich. And money and wealth and land and houses. That's not what he's called us for. Yeah. And they believe and they preach and they teach and they advertise. They don't preach the if part. 
And they'll pick scriptures out. Well, the Lord has said about Abraham, paying his tithes, or, or he loves a cheerful giver. And they'll take those, those scriptures completely out of context, and they'll convince people, if you'll do this, God will bless you. Mm -hmm. yes. Amen? Yeah. And buddy, they got TV stations. And they'll get up there and say, we're reaching the lost. They ain't, that, they ain't no more worried about the lost than the man in the moon. They worried about the money that's going to come in if they can convince somebody to believe everything they say. Yes. Amen. Man, the prophets of God. Jesus made the remark to the, the Jewish religious people, you've killed my prophets. <coughs> They lived in crazy places. And the only protection they had was the hand of God on them. They gave them a work and a ministry to do and he wouldn't let nobody hurt them until they did what he wanted them to do. They lived in spooky places. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. The Bible said in the last days he would return again and he did. Jesus said, for those of you to understand, John the Baptist was Elijah. You know what he looked like when he come the second time? He'd been out in the wilderness eating wild locusts and honey. He had a big old beard and, and, and was dressed in camel hair with a big girl. You know what he looked like in the Old Testament, Elijah? He was hairy. He had on camel hair. And he had a big leather belt because the king was told that this guy's sinners are what he looked like. And that's the way he described it. He still looked like that. Different name. He wasn't rich. He wasn't on a white horse. He didn't have a crown. He didn't have gold. He didn't have it. He had the word of God and he had something in him that he couldn't get rid of. He had the Lord God. Amen. You know what? When Elijah... Well, John the Baptist was in his mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Ghost before he was ever born. Amen. Amen. He had something that, that, that had a hope in him from the time he was born until the time that they cut his head off. You know what he was worried about when he was waiting on to be killed? Y'all go make sure that that was him. Go make sure that was him. That's the last we heard of him. Go make sure in Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus knew he was the prophet. The last prophet. And he also knew what Elijah knew. And he said, you go back and tell him what you see me doing. That the lame are walking. The blind are receiving their sight. That the deaf people hear. You just go tell him that. He'll get, to, he'll get it. And that's all we know. It ain't about riches. It's about treasures of knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. Why? He tells us. I just read it. So that a slick-talking banshee like you here can't beguile you. You know truth when you hear it. You know baloney when you hear it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know the difference. 
You know truth from baloney. You know truth from hogwash. And although that hogwash might make you feel free, the truth will set you free. Amen. 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 It will. And so, I got to hurry up if I'm going to get through quick. <laughs> now look at this. Because here's another thing that the Holy Spirit does for me and you that we don't even think about sometimes. Look, listen to this. He said, For though I be absent in the flesh, now listen to this, <coughs> yet I am with you. Y'all see that? How can this be? <laughs> I'm with you in spirit. The one who is in me that gives me my hope of glory is the same one in you that gives you your hope of glory. We serve an omnipresent God. We serve an omnipresent Father. We serve an omnipresent Son. We serve an omnipresent Holy Ghost who can be everywhere at one time. And guess what? They're one. Mm -hmm. And they're not like us when we come together as a group as one body. They know what each other's thinking. Because they're the same. And so he says, although I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding, look at this now, what? Your order. You're, I, I'm joying and I'm I'm, I'm 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 rejoicing in your order. Y'all see that? Chaos has no place in God's house. God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. He sets things into motion and he says it'll be this way, this way, this way, and this way. And we don't get to veer to the right. We don't get to veer to the left. We go this way, this way, this way. He is a God of order. And he expects his body to be a body of order. And the order that he's told us in his word that we're to worship this way and that way. We're to call upon his name this way and that way. We are to do those things. And he says other things. He says these are the things you are to do and these are the things you're not supposed to do. And when the world tells us it's okay to do the things that we're not supposed to do, they're in conflict with the Holy God and they're wrong. Amen. Amen. Lord God, help us. We're seeing this all over this country today. All over this country today. He said, he said, I'm with you in spirit. I'm joying and beholding your order. And look at this. Order does something. Look at what it says. And the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Why did I bring up to y'all those five people that were left here by themselves? They didn't get in the midst of the war. They clung to Jesus in the midst of the war. They didn't try to set out themselves to fix the church. They put the church in the hands of the one who it belongs to. They didn't run when the money ran out. They stayed. They stayed. And they prayed. And they paid. They stood steadfast. Why? Because they kept an order 
of God in their lives while the rest of the church was chaotic. You want to know what a remnant of God's people looks like? They're the ones that keep the order of God while the worst of the world is going to hell in a speedboat. We can't help the Lord's cause by rioting in the streets. We're, we're told not to do that. Amen? We're supposed to be humble as doves and wise as serpents. We're not commanded to fight. We're not commanded to take up arms. Let me tell you what. Jesus saved the world and He didn't kill a single person in the process. Amen. Amen. The world killed him. And they didn't realize it, but that's when they gave him the victory. Amen. Yeah. That is the reason we preach the death, burial, and the resurrection. Amen. So he said, I join in beholding your order. And the steadfastness of your faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to take you close. I come in here from our little meeting while ago, and the choir was singing this song. And when I walked in the door, I didn't have a clue what they did. It's called God's Wonderful People. I didn't know what they were singing, but it made me want to dance. <laughs> Amen. When I walked in and heard what they were singing and heard the song and heard the melody and heard the words and listening to the words, I thought, wow, that's some good stuff. <laughs> well, let me read you this. Oh, what joy His love affords when we meet in one accord and we lift our hearts in praise unto the Lord. There's no place I'd rather be than with the ones who's been set free. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm in God's great family. You know what joy unspeakable and full of glory is? Knowing you're a child of God and be a part of the family of God inside the church of the living God where he's king. Amen. The children of the king are happy and have great joy. I saw that tonight. I felt that tonight. I experienced that tonight. Troy, your testimony upholds that tonight. Amen. Patsy, we can tease you. Amen. We can do things like that to one another. And we still love each other. That's our God. Amen. And we get to experience that. We get to. Everybody say, we get to. Yeah. I don't know what the rest of them out there is experiencing today. We get to experience the joy of the order and the steadfastness of God's people in God's house as they love and worship Him. And that's why we come to church, isn't it? That's why we come here. We love one another. I just love y'all so much. Would you stand?
God's wonderful people. What makes his people wonderful? We serve a wonderful God. These altars are open if you need to pray today. Don't just put your arm around somebody. Let's just go pray together. And pray and love on one another. Or you got somebody you know going through something. Just get close to them. Put take them by the hand. I'm praying for you. I just want you to know I love you. We got things going on this week. Sister Vicky's going to have her heart surgery Friday, the 30th. Hope y'all pray hard to her. Got other things going on, things I'm not really at liberty to talk about. We got people that the Lord, the devil is trying to drag away. Him. Yeah. 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 
Amen. Don't you ever think God punishing you and mistreating you? He's not. He's loving you. Yield to him. Humble yourself to him. Obey him and he'll bless your socks off. Brother Sam McDowell, would you just... Okay, can I say something before we dismiss? Yes, you can. A couple of months back, you had offered up Sunday nights for anybody that had a testimony. And the only one that ever did was Troy. Yeah. And uh, if it's laid up on anybody's heart, I would... Me personally, I would love to hear more. Because I know we've got some in here that have got powerful testimonies. And, and that helps us. You know, that really helps us along to to hear where people have been and where God has brought them because you know many of us have walked far from Calvary but God has pulled us back mm -hmm. and uh, I think that is powerful for us to hear those those testimonies of the saints that have experienced things that some of us have never even dwelt upon but you know we're facing facing things and uh, just for me I would Troy I loved hearing you but I would love to hear other people um, that is God's impressed on their hearts to, you know, share their testimonies. I know it's difficult, but, you know, I think with God, all things are possible. Amen. So I just want to say that before we leave. Amen. Well, Sam, would you just testify? My Father, once again, we can thank you and praise your name for having a church where we can come and hear what that says the Word of God. We all just thank you for that. For the time and effort that Brother Gary puts in and study the Word and find the time to divide it. And Lord, we just ask your blessing upon him and his family. You know the health needs of so many in our church, so many people who've got health issues, cancer in their bodies, heart troubles. We'll have to have a lot of business when I have surgery Friday. And Lord, you know each and every one that's on the prayer list. You know who they are, what their needs are. And Lord, we just ask for you to be merciful and bless them. Lord, bring each one of them through whatever they got going on in their hearts and lives. Lord, be with us as we go separate ways, cleanse our hearts, and give us a full week, Bill, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.